Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Ben Online. Ben Online continue, continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, that including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best plagiarism uh, platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team, and remember to use the promo code Believe B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Bienvenidos, Sangrones. Joining us on the show, as always, Cody Snavely, aka Canelo. Babyface is in the house, and one of our newest members. This is his, he's breaking his cherry, everybody. He is no longer a virgin. Carlos Alfaro, welcome to the live, my friend. How are you feeling, Carlos? I'm feeling great. Thank you for having right. me. I'm excited. Let's get started. <laughs> All righty then. So let's see who's already on the live. We got Roy Estrada's on the live. Uh, uh, Val Reyes is on the live. Doom Sal, James Rodriguez. Uh, Michael Carrillo, uh, we got all the layers. Oh, all the regulars. Jose Ayala, what's up, Sangrones? Saludos once again. Uh, okay, so some quick updates that we need to get out of the way. Uh, first, business-wise, uh, for those of you who are joining us, you regulars, for those of you joining us on the live, do us a favor, okay? I know you guys are already subscribed, but if we have some new people on here, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you like the video. Make sure you ring the bell. Make sure those notifications, those are all going to go ahead and help us uh, grow this show. So, and then if you're, if you go back, if you miss the live, if you go back and you listen to the audio podcast, make sure you guys subscribe and write reviews. Okay. Also, I've done a very poor job, but since Jose Ayala is on the show, he is the patron saint of the Bleed Lows podcast. If you guys want, I try to do my best to get to your guys' comments, but sometimes there's too many comments and I can't get to everybody. So the best way to get your comment read on the show live is through Super Chats. We're still trying to find a way to get to Korea. So that all your contributions on the Super Chat will go to the Korea Fund. So um, that's one update. The other update. I'm pretty sure everybody knows this already, but it may be old news uh, to some of you. But if we have new people because it's alive, uh, an update on what happened with uh, La Princesa de Picolandia. Uh, if those of you who don't know, she was in a pretty bad accident on her way down from Yosemite back to Los Angeles. Um, she, she got T-boned. Uh, if you've seen the the pictures, it, it was pretty bad. But luckily, she is out of the hospital and she's back home. Is that correct, Babyface? I know you've talked to her. Yes, yeah, she she's home. She should be. I think she went home yesterday. So there is still a GoFundMe. Uh, it's on the Bleed Lows podcast page, correct? Or you tweeted about it, right, Babyface? I'll tweet it. I've tweeted it. And I'll, I'll put it out again, just in case anybody wants to go ahead and help because you know, you know, those medical bills are going to be crazy. And, you know, anyway, any support that we can send out her way, if we can help out, we'd like to do that. Yeah. Insurance doesn't cover everything guys. Uh, but the good thing is she is in good spirits. Uh, she couldn't wait to get out of that hospital. So if you guys can help in any way would be much appreciated. And for those of you that have reached out with your thoughts, uh, she appreciates that very much as well. Um, somebody in the chat beat me to it. Michael Negrete. Um, this is an update and I, I don't know if you saw this baby face, but, uh, 
We had some sad news today, and uh, for those of you who haven't or aren't familiar with the news, uh, someone passed away today, and it's uh, someone that some of you guys might be familiar with. So Michael Jones uh, passed away today. May he rest in peace. For those of you who don't know who Michael Jones is, he is otherwise known as Virgil from the WWF days or Vincent from his WCW days. Uh, he. Uh, we, we lost him today. Uh, this is a man who beat the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, for the million-dollar belt. Um, I know Cody thinks he's above wrestling, so he doesn't care about this. But, Carlos, we need to know where you stand on wrestling. Are you a fan, sir? And if you are, what era are you a fan for? So, when I was younger, I was a fan. I'm a fan of, I would be like the, the 80s, Ultimate Warrior. Was 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 my favorite. Um, I went to WrestleMania. Who knows what number? Like tw- probably like fifteen or something. Like I, back in the eighties. But so it was it was a great experience. I was into it then. Um, not so much now. But yeah, Ultimate Warrior and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, there we go. Ring the bell, everybody. Ring the bell, everybody. He. You, that's the right answer, right there, Carlos. The Macho Man Randy Savage. And by the way, yes. Wrestling ended once it went from WWF to WWE, but still we digress. Uh, let's go to the chat here. Uh, we're going to, yes, it is. Let's just go ahead and get it out of the way, guys. Um, I, I think it was Doom Sal. Doom Sal said something here. Cody Juan finally got to see Yamamoto. Thank you, Doom Sal. I really appreciate your sense of humor, my friend. So let's go ahead. Let's start it. Yamamoto. Yes, well, sir. real quick, we also lost Ole Anderson yesterday, I believe, it was yesterday. That is true. Ole Anderson. Uh, we should pay respect to Ole Anderson. I mean, I, I was not a – at that time, I did not watch WC. I think you watched WCW more than I did during that time, right, Babyface? Yeah, I saw WCW, WCCW, UWF. Like, I, I go back way old school. <laughs> All right, so before we get into Yamamoto here, we do need to get an update uh, in, from the MVP. Uh, I know there were some uh, there some people already in the chat. They want an update from, as CB calls him, the Rec League MVP, Canelo. How did things go in your adult hardball league? Uh, you know, we're still in spring training mode. You know, I don't know if anyone still doesn't know this, but I am on the East Coast. It's still cold. You know, we're celebrating that it's 55 degrees again, but it was rainy. So um, we're going to get a lot of updates once the season starts swinging in, though. <laughs> oh, OK. So you're still in spring training. I got it. All right. So we're still working any- out. We're still getting the kinks. We're getting back in. You know, I'm like the players. You know, we got to get this back in the swing of things and everything. So um, where where can we see the footage of your batting practice? I, like I said, you know, my co-host on the Diamond Club, Jake, he's all into it. If he wants to film, he can film. I'm not one to film myself doing anything. If I'm at the gym, I'm not filming myself. If I'm at the batting cages, I'm most certainly not filming myself. So um, I get it. You're just tracking pitches right now. Oh, you guys better wait until that league starts <laughs> up. It, it, we're going to see those hype videos. All right. What everybody wants to talk about, Yamamoto. Um, Canelo, uh, <laughs> like Doom Sal says, we finally got to see him. What was the first thing that, that came to you, to your mind when you saw him? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, the most surprising thing was just the command. Um, it really seemed like this early in spring training, he's making his first start, his first start in the, U- well, besides the WBC in the U.S., playing against MLB hitters and, he went two innings, you know, Tyler glass now couldn't even go a full two innings in his debut. And he gave up a run along the way. Um, and Yamamoto just simply kind of looked like pretty dominant and his split finger fat fastball looked extremely deadly. You know, he threw it multiple times. It had such break on it where, you know, it just looked like a changeup on like steroids. It just would start in the middle of the zone and just break all the way down, which, um, that's what he was known for. Um, and from the, one of the things I don't like about watching these games um, in spring training is that they don't have radar on the on the TV screen. So it's like, all right, I got to wait now until a beat reporter or someone's inside gets the numbers out on Twitter. 
Um, and they looked really good. You know, they said that he was maxing out at 96 mile per hour for some of his pitches, kind of hovering in that 94 mile per hour range, which is what you want to see, especially at this time of the year where he wasn't really necessarily known as a power pitcher in Japan. Just do dudes like barely like five, nine. And for him to be as good and effective as he is as a pitcher, even in Japan, and it looks like that's going to translate over here, it is extremely good uh, for the Dodgers. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of flashes of why the Dodgers shut out $325 million for this guy. Um, and yeah, you know, like Doom Sal said, Juan, you finally got to see him in action in Dodgers blue. So um, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, Carlos, your impressions of Yamamoto. Well, first of all, I'll say that today he was worth, he looks like he's worth all $325 million. <laughs> I'll say that. So a couple of things. Um, so 16 strikes out of 19 pitches, not too bad. Uh, I believe, because I kept I kept score a little bit, um, was that he threw each, the first pitch to each batter was a strike. Struck out three batters, uh, two on the splitter and one on the fastball. Uh, I'm impressed on the fastball strikeout. I like, I like that look where he's just literally almost down the middle against their leadoff hitter, struck him out. Looked look great. Uh, the splitter just falling off the table. Light looked great. They were, somewhere they, they were saying that he's not even 100% on the splitter, but sure looked damn good. Uh, we're we're definitely uh, – we got a good pitcher. We got an ace pitcher, and I'm excited to see him at Dodger Stadium, you know, uh, hopefully opening day, maybe the second day. But, yeah, he's he's the real thing. Uh, Denny Cortez, you're, I, I did. And uh, so, Babyface, I want to bring you in on this because I know you want to talk about it. So, Denny Cortez says, who else heard Rick Monday say you could see what he was going to throw? Uh, so, for those of you who weren't listening on radio or you weren't listening to the Dodgers broadcast, uh, Rick Monday made reference, especially from the center field camera view, uh, you could see the grip uh, that Yamamoto was having on his pitches. And so Rick Monday, I think he didn't say it, but I think he was alluding to because he said the Dodgers are going to address that. So babyface, are you concerned that what Rick Monday was saying, but he didn't say it out loud, was that Yamamoto may end up tipping his pitches if he doesn't correct that? I think he was giving us a warning for the Astros. I think he was kind of, you know, letting it be known that, you know, the Astros might try and do that, but... Yeah, I mean, like you said, yeah, it's probably it's just it's from the center field camera, right? Nobody's gonna really be looking at that in the game, right? Unless right Astros, but yeah, he he said simple correction, just tilt his glove a little bit, you know, one way or another, mm. and it should be fine. Uh, Canelo, since you are the rec league champion, if you're at the plate, I don't know if you need to be necessarily looking at that center field camera. But the way he holds his glove and he's playing around with the grip, could that be a tell if he doesn't change that? Or does it matter? Because let me tell you, the way his what really surprised me was just the movement on his fastball today, uh, being able to actually see it in a live game. But do you think players are going to start looking the next time he pitches in spring training like what he's doing in terms of grip? Yeah, I mean, these guys are major league players. Um, they are going to find any single thing that will get them an advantage, any touch or tell that's going to be tipping pitches. I don't think in terms of like, usually when you hear of a guy tipping his pitches, you know, it'll be like, all right, it, the way he moves his hands around, the way he like grips the baseball, the way he sets up, you know, that's the big ones. I, I think in terms of like what Rick Monday saw today, you know, you're not unless you're stealing the camera footage, you're not really going to see it. Um, but Denny Cortez did bring up a good point, which is what I thought about at the time was if you're a runner at second base, that's one of the times where I like in terms of bait, like stealing signs, that is 100 percent fair game. If you are at second base and you can clearly see what pitch he's putting in and you want to tap your head, tap your arm and then give an indicator to the guy that's at the plate, that's that's fair game. And the Dodgers, I think they'll address it. Um, and I think it is a simple fix, like just tilt your glove a little bit, hold it a little bit closer to you or whatever. Um, so I don't think I'm not going to overreact to it. I, I haven't seen many fans other than like just Dodger fans that's seen that clip kind of react to it. So 
Um, but he will make the adjustment because, you know, in this game of baseball, you have to make adjustments constantly. And, you know, I agree with you Juan. you know, they could probably even tell what's coming and it, it, it'll probably be hard for them to even make contact, at least right now, because he is a new face. You know, you basically have a rookie guy that nobody else, unless you played in Japan, has faced. And that's just the point with this. So um, you'll see him make adjustments. So I, I don't think it's going to be a big deal as next start. Uh, let, let's go to the chat here. Uh, Vato Loco, is that Portuguese? Well, I, I, uh, it looks like it's Portuguese. Tell me if I'm wrong what you put in the chat here. But I love that we have an international crowd. Uh, Dong Kim has a interesting comment here. Yamamoto doesn't know how to cover like that because he comes from a country with honor where players do not cheat like in the United States. Hmm. I wonder if... Uh, so, wait, Don, are you telling me that in Japanese baseball, nobody tries to steal signs? I mean, look, I think it's all accepted. That's part of the game. It's just in, like, you can't do, you can't use technology. You can't use, like, all, all this other stuff like the Astros did. But I find it curious. Let me know. If, does that kind, does those kind of shenanigans, does that, does that just not happen in Japanese baseball? Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's get some more comments here. Uh, Doom Sal Yamamoto has always held his glove up. Once he finds out, I'm sure he will make the adjustment. Uh, Carlos, are you concerned by any of this? That that because Rick Monday said it pretty much immediately. I think he said it like after the first hitter, right? Babyface. He says he said he's like I know what pitch is coming. Yeah, I mean I'm not worried about it. Uh... I was in touch on the Japanese thing. If he's pitched in Japan like that and it wasn't an issue and he never changed that, I mean, unless you're doing like the astral type of, you know, the asterisks are doing, you know, where you're, you know, filming, using the camera from the center field. I'm not worried about it. I think uh, what Cody said about second base, I think that's fair play, whether it's an honorable country or not, it doesn't matter. I think it's just, that's part of baseball. It's always been part of baseball. You know, you, you steal those signs. I think he'll, he'll adjust. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you could see it when I was watching the game, you could totally see his grip on the ball completely. I mean, I've never even seen a pitcher like you could totally see the grip on, on every different pitch. So, but I'm not worried about it. They'll adjust. Dodgers will, will look, you know, look at the, look at the film and say, okay, Hey, you know what? Let's just do something, something that doesn't like, you know, kind of affect you too much. So hopefully they'll do something because you don't want him to like get out of rhythm. That's the way he likes to hold his glove, you know? So, but Dodgers will figure it out. They're the best team in the world. Uh, we have a super chat here, Kevin Dodgers Guerra. And remember, guys, if you want your chat, if you want your comment read immediately, the super chat is the best way to do it. We got a $2 super chat from Kevin. Thank you very much for supporting the show, Kevin. Kevin's question is, you guys worried about Muncie's injury again? All right. I feel like hand injuries always make me nervous. But let's go to the rec league MVP, Canelo. I know so far what we know is it's just a left hand contusion. He's going to have x-rays tomorrow. Uh, I got a little bit of a flashback to Miguel Vargas from last year, but talk me out of this. Talk me off the ledge, Canelo. Yeah, I mean, any type of hand injury, especially when you're getting hit by a pitch without any way of getting out, like getting out of there, you know, just hit him straight point blank. Um, it is scary just because there's so many small bones. There's so many, there's so much things involved with the hand that could be cause for concern. And, and especially with Max Muncy, who's had his fair shares of just like unfortunate injuries. You know, we all saw how the 2021 season ended for him and how he had to battle back pretty much like two years of like rehab and readjusting to the uh, UCL damage. Um and you want this is like his first full year, you know, comes into camp a little bit better in shape. You know, he says he's feeling really good on defense. And, you know, the way he was swinging the ball, uh, the putting the uh, barrel on the ball lately, um, it's kind of getting me excited for Max Muncy in 2024. And it is scary uh, when I read it because I was at work. So I was kind of watching like the stat cast version of the game. So um, when I saw hit by pitch and I saw the beat reporters tweeting it out on, on Twitter, I was like, getting shades of when Justin Turner was hit in uh, what was it like 2018. And he ended up missing about a good chunk of like the first half of the season. I think he came back in like, but June. that was on the wrist. That one, was that was on the, the wrist. wrist. So yeah. still I got flashbacks. Cause I was like, all right, this is the guy that 
I know the Dodgers have all-stars around him, but Max Muncy needs to be on the field for at least 140 games this season um, because that prime Max Muncy um, is extremely powerful at the plate, always gets on base, and if he can even improve his defense slightly, I mean, he is already ranked as a top 10 third baseman in baseball. I mentioned to Roger, you know, me and Steve Webb from Dodgers are doing our player previews. And I was doing Max Muncy today, coincidentally, and all this happens. Um, this guy has a chance to have one of his better years um, in a Dodgers uniform. And that was after last year. He set career highs in home runs and RBI. So um, I, I don't think it's mu- nothing much. You know, he did stay in the game. They definitely took him out precautionary reasons. And I fully expect the x-rays to come back negative tomorrow. Babyface, come in on this, uh, because now that we're talking about Muncy, I know a lot has been made about his new physique. Oh, look, I know you've seen Muncy in the clubhouse last year. You saw him this year when you were in spring training. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because you've seen him in the, in person. I think Muncy looks the same. Like, I don't, I don't think Muncy, I know everybody likes to call him a fat boy and all that stuff. I, I think he's kind of built like Roger Clemens, where they're just like dudes that are just like thick. But is it noticeable to you this physique change that's going to turn him into a gold glover? I mean, he didn't go and drop like 50 pounds, right? I mean, he still he still looks like a bigger a bigger guy. Um, I mean, he may look a little slimmer, but it's not like like I said, it's not like 50 pounds or anything. I mean, he still fills out his uniform, but he from all indications, it looks like he is moving a lot better. He's able to, you know, kind of you know, we've seen the bat so far looks good. So he's looked a little better on the field. So hopefully it's nothing, you know, he's, he, I believe it's, it's a scan that they're waiting for tomorrow. So hopefully it comes back clear. Okay. So he was x-ray then. He was x-ray. Yeah. They, and those are negative. So they're doing a little, little more testing on it, little additional scans on it for tomorrow. Okay. So we got another super chat. So Roy Estrada is going to the front of the line here. A 1999 Super Chat. Damn, Roy Estrada paying tribute to the million-dollar man over here. Okay, Roy Estrada, Ramos, Pajes, Knack, and Venasco must make opening day roster if we want the best team out there. Okay, Roy, you mentioned a couple of names that, first of all, I want to deal with Ramos, okay, because this dude is, okay, he's 23 years old. He's hitting over 500. To me, it seems every time he goes up to the batter's box, he is hitting the ball hard. Now, the problem is this, Roy. You mentioned a lot of names there, and I don't know if there's enough spots for all of those dudes. So, Carlos, of those guys that uh, Ramos, I mean, that, <laughs> Ramos, that Roy mentioned here, which one impresses you the most? Before today, it was Ramos. I, I thought okay. Ramos was uh, he looked good. I like yeah, he's tall, he looks strong, powerful. So I was I was I was like Ramos, let's go, you know? But after today, Bagues was pretty impressive. Now you guys were talking, we were talking about Muncie. The guy was asking about Muncie and if we're concerned. Well, you can move Muncie around. You just picked up Hernandez. Hernandez can play third base until Muncie recovers, if if he is injured. And then you can pick up a spot for, for the outfield. And that's how you can make a spot because Taylor can also platoon with Hernandez at third base for if, if Muncy's actually hurt, but Pagas is, is my guy. I think uh, they're both 23, but he needs a shot. I mean, one of those guys needs a shot, but um, Ramos is new. I've never heard of him until, until the spring training. Uh, Pagas has been on the, on, on the pipeline for, for, for a while. So I think his time is up. And then I think he, the, Roy mentioned Landon Knack. And I think the first time I spoke to you, I mentioned keep that guy because he was part of the being traded to Cleveland for these other pitchers. But he's, he's a, that guy is legit. I mean, he looked good, sharp on the, on his outing two innings. He, he's, I don't know. And she, Sheehan is okay. Grove and, and uh, Stone, they're, they're okay. But I like Knack. I think Knack, give him a chance. Give him a chance on the opening, ro- opening day roster. Look, I thought Landon Knack looked really good his first outing. He went two innings. I wasn't expecting him to go two innings, but I want to see him again uh, because, look, I thought Gavin Stone looked great his first outing. He got some bad luck at at Camelback Ranch uh, his second time out. Um, But 
But Canelo, I'm going to go to you. These names that are being mentioned, Ramos, Pajes, Nack, and Danasco, who who in, who impresses you there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a tale of kind of like two questions when I'm looking at it because I think a combination of Ramos and Pajes is the ones that are impressing me the most in terms of the hitters, um, especially Pajes, just because last year he had labrum surgery and yeah. there was even doubt that he was even going to be ready this time of the year i even had my doubts because i didn't hear anything by anybody saying hey is he ready some reporters in like january were saying he could be a 60-day il candidate which i was like all right well if he's a 60-day il candidate is he healed like is he ready well carlos you saw him today i think he is ready you know he's swinging the bat extremely well um and of all those guys that's probably major league ready it's probably pajas um he was estimated by MLB pipeline to make his debut last year. He more than likely probably would have gotten the call up probably over Johnny DeLuca. Um, and he's just a right-handed power bet that the Dodgers kind of need to balance out their lineup because they are a little left-handed heavy, um, especially when you put out their, you know, their death star lineup where the other day when they had Otani make his debut, besides the last two hitters, most of those hitters were left-handed hitters. And the Dodgers kind of need to supplement some right-handed power. It can't just be Mookie Betts that's supplying all the power from the right-handed side. So um, I think Pajas will. I don't think any of those guys are going to make the opening day roster. Um, I've talked to Roger like this on off air is that it is just so full right now. The only competition I imagine is for that fifth spot in the rotation. And then maybe like a bullpen spot. Um, That's not to say any of these guys aren't going to make, contributions to the team this year because they most definitely are especially all the pitching prospects that they have stone you know hurt um uh what's the one that was also mentioned in there uh vanasco he he is a guy that flew under the radar um last year when the dodgers picked him up and he's looked extremely well this spring um but they've also got a lot of other guys that are also competing for spots too but in terms of roster spots and fighting for him it's extremely thin right now and i guess that's an advantage to the dodgers because i think everybody kind of needs to play on their a game to just get a guaranteed spot to make the team um especially for those last couple spots uh roy to answer your question i don't think all of them will but i think this is a different answer in turn a different in terms of who has impressed me the most uh but i think who has the best chance to make the opening day roster, I think is Venasco. If, if he even, because I think in like Canelo just alluded to, the opening would be in the bullpen, especially because you just don't know health-wise. Some of these guys, I mean, I think they're doing their best. I think they're, they, they desperately want, I think, Daniel Hudson to make the opening day roster. So I think they're going to give him every opportunity to have him make the opening day roster roster but of these names that you mentioned ramos is definitely going to start in the minor leagues uh because i believe ramos correct me if i'm wrong on the chat guys because i know you guys are good at this i think he only played in the arizona league last year i don't think he's ever he's even made it to to double a or anything like that um i think andy pajas would probably be the first person they call up and i know somebody already put it in the chat that they have him replacing hayward so, um, I, I, look, I, I know it's just been the first week of spring training. So we also have to take that into account, but yes, Ramos and Pajes, I want to see what Landon Knack looks like his second time around. Venasco to me has been holding his own, but all of this, like Canelo said, is a numbers game. So we got another super chat, the patron saint of the bleed Los podcast, everybody, Jose Ayala. Worried about the rotation early, but Glasnow not sharp. Bueller hurt. Thinks Dodgers pull out a trade for another pitcher before the tread line, deadline. Your thoughts. Uh, Carlos, I want to go to you first. Um, the Glasnow thing. I know, it, guys, it was just one outing. And I, I, I know I'm going to say a name I hear that's probably going to elicit boos and hisses and roar. You know, I know that Joe Musgrove has been getting a lot of shit on social media because after two appearances, he has just not looked good. But that first game against the Dodgers, he was clearly working on his breaking pitches. He kept throwing his breaking pitches, and 
they just weren't working for him. So I think we can't lose sight of the fact that in spring training, some guys specifically just go out there to work on certain things. For me, the issue with Glasnow was he was missing his spots. I mean, everything was left over the plate when he got hit. And these are major league hitters, right? And these are guys that can go ahead and hit that. So I'm not concerned about Glasnow. But Carlos, the other questions that Jose has about Bueller. I know Walker Bueller just talked to the media today. Are you concerned about any of the starting pitching so far? So so just like we said about Landon Knack, we can't just say, oh, he's great on one outing. So the same the same is true with Glass now. We can't say he's bad because of just one outing. We got to see what he's going to do. So I'm not, no, I'm not worried about Glass now. He, he'll figure it out. Yamamoto looked great. Bueller, we knew, we had the discussion uh, before where we he was supposed to come back last year for the playoff run. Something happened. He's, he's, he wasn't going to come back. Spring training happens, and he's not going to be ready for opening day. Okay, so we know he's not supposed to come back, let's say, May, June, or something like that. So even if they push him back further, like July, August, I think it's okay. I think, we, like I said, we need him for the stretch run at the end of the season. I'm not worried about that. Miller, I thought Miller wasn't too sharp either on his outing. He was okay, you know, but I'm not concerned because, like I said, first outing, get all the kinks out. That's so that's one, two, three, two more pitchers. Hey, we we, we got to check these guys out. We got to see Grove again. We got to see Stone again. We got to see Knack again. Uh, we haven't even seen Paxton yet, right? Paxton hasn't pitched yet. So, what, what let's see what he looks like, you know. So, you know, last year he was throwing 96, 97. Let's see if he can throw that again. So, so no, I'm not too concerned. I'm not too concerned. Maybe, maybe in one more week, if, if these guys don't look too good maybe the concern level goes up. But right now, not concerned at all. Man, you guys on the chat, man, you guys are tough, man. Uh, look, first of all, Denny, I'm not comparing Glasnow and Musgrove in terms of quality. What I was comparing about is when these guys go out, especially on their first outing, there are certain things that they are working on. For all we know, Glasnow may have been working on something and he was just missing location and and he got hit. I mean, he was leaving some pitches right over the plate. And it doesn't matter if you're throwing 98, 99. These are major league hitters. They can go ahead and hit a fastball like that. Babyface, I know Walker Bueller talked to the media and he addressed a little bit of the narrative that's out there that uh, his his rehab is not going well. Uh did you have a do you have an update on what he actually said, Babyface? Yeah, I mean, I guess it was addressed to his his velocity. His velocity's been kind of down prior, you know, on, in coming into the into into this into spring training. Um, he did also mention because he did his first live BP. He's not likely going to get into any games. Uh, you know, with they got like three weeks left. So, but so his hope is he'll do a couple more live BPs, maybe two to three. And then maybe try and get into one of the games against the the Angels in the Freeway Series, and kind of get them get them some game some game time situations there, and then we'll see from there. I don't as how far into the season he'll go being on the IL, maybe a couple of weeks, hopefully at the most, and then we'll see him. Uh, Canelo, this, this whole Bueller thing, I, are we just not dealing in reality here, in the sense that it's like this guy. This is his second surgery. The timeline, we don't, I don't think the Dodgers said that he was going to pitch at the end of last year. I don't know where that narrative came that he was going to pitch. And all of a sudden, when he didn't pitch last year, everybody's like, oh, what's wrong with Bueller? What's wrong with Bueller? I think we were all told in the beginning of this year that he wasn't going to be ready. So are we just re overreacting to this Bueller story? No, I don't think we're overreacting at all because, you know, we are pretty much left in the dark from pretty much like the only things we're hearing from was we're hearing things from Bueller and we're hearing things from the Dodgers. And it seems like they're very different each time. Um, the whole Bueller narrative, it started from himself, which credit to him. He did want to try to come back and help the team. He announced on the Just Baseball talk show um, where he appears regularly saying, yeah, I want to try to make a comeback in September, help the team in October. Um, he ended up getting 
to make at least one rehab star, but they ended up just shutting him down for the rest of the year because they wanted him to focus fully this winter and have his eyes set on 2024. Um, I, I'm okay that they did that because it made sense, especially since the Dodgers were swept out of the first round regardless, and I don't think Bueller would have helped much. Um, but I, I even mentioned to Roger in our last episode where I said, I am a little concerned because, you know, we're hearing certain things about his velocity being like diminished. Like we're hearing like 91, 92. And then today we're hearing 94, 95. So um, I'm about to just fly out to Campbellback Ranch myself with a radar gun and get it, you know, firsthand, bleed low style. And then I'll come back with that knowledge. But I, I agree with you, Juan. You know, it is two surgeries. I think people really need to understand how uncommon it is for a pitcher to come back from multiple Tommy John surgeries. Like I said repeatedly, the only one I can think of that still had a decent career that's still playing is former Dodger and now Ranger. Um, what's his name? Uh, and Evaldi. Evaldi, yeah. He's the only one. And he's kind of made a name for himself on multiple teams. But Bueller is going to have to go through that same process. I am on the, I'm on the thought process that he was never going to come back until probably like June. Um, I would say the earliest he comes back is when maybe when uh, when Bobby Miller got called up at the end of May last year, where he was able to make at least like 20, I think 23 or 25 starts, something like that. So I think that's what the Dodgers are hoping for. If not, I agree with Carlos. Keep delaying him. Delay him until June. Delay him until July. If he's ready in the later half of the year and in October, that's when the Dodgers want him the most because you want to pump whatever baseball you got left out of him because he is on that one-year deal right now. So, I mean, I agree with that. Dennis, you're, you're spot on, man. Canelo takes over Mike Brito, right? Can you picture Canelo in the Panama hat with a cigar uh, right behind home plate with the radar gun? I, I, I'd love to see it. Uh, I know that a lot of you guys in the chat, I think it was Doom Sal and, who else, and Pablo were talking about. I, I, I love these comments right here. Here comes Doom Sal with... Not trying to be an ass, but Dodger fans overreact sometimes over players. And then Pablo comes in, hey, we're Dodger fans. We react over everything. Overreact over everything. I mean, and it's true, right? And that is, that's what baseball is about. That's what this spring training is. But if that is true, and the thing is, is we haven't seen Emmett Sheehan yet. And so Emmett Sheehan, the reports are that he's dealing with soreness. It's just body soreness. But I, I can't stress this enough, guys. The Dodgers are starting early, okay? They're going to go to Korea, and then they come back. So what I'm concerned about is that maybe some of these guys aren't going to be ready. So if some of these guys aren't ready, then I see a situation like what you just brought up, Carlos, where all of a sudden I think Landon Knack's chances of making a roster do improve if they want to give some of these guys extra time. And this is why, again, I can't stress enough the importance of the signing of Yamamoto. And if he pitches the way what we saw today, the Dodgers desperately need that because at least towards the beginning of the season, I don't think you you really can say what you're going to get from this starting pitching. Right, babyface? I know on paper everything looks good, but aren't you hopeful at least that Yamamoto and Glasnow can hold down the fort until some of these guys get healthy. Yeah, I, th I think with with some of the the young guys that that they do have already, I think they'll be able to to fill that spot for Bueller right for however long it takes. And I was I was discussing with Cody on a previous episode. I think it's not going to be just like say it might not it might not just be Michael Grove right. It's going to be Michael Grove. It's going to be some. It might be Landon Knack one one outing, Michael Grove another. I think it's going to. They're going to use these guys to their advantage, right, and plug them in when they need them. And I think, you know, they'll, they'll do that for a while until they get Walker Bueller back. Hey, Michael Carrillo, you bring something, because I think the only person I know that has reported the River Ryan stuff is Bill Plunkett. I haven't seen any of the other beat writers report, any because I heard the same thing about River Ryan. Uh, Canelo, what have you heard about River Ryan? Yeah, same article. Bill Plunkett put it out, I believe, either today or yesterday, saying that they shut him down for the spring. But, you know, Doom Sal's pretty much on it. He may be my insider for getting all this info. He did throw the most <laughs> innings of his professional career last year. So I believe they're slow playing him. Um, similar to 
A lot of people were comparing it to Bobby Miller last year. If you remember, he didn't make a single appearance in spring training last year um, due to, the, I think they said it was like shoulder fatigue, something similar. Um, but he still ended up making his debut in May and ended up making 25 starts and a postseason start. So um, I don't think it's too concerning. I think it's just them being cautious with their young star. Um, don't want him to overwork himself, especially like you said, Juan, they had to go to camp early. They have to start the season early. You know, Roger already mentioned it. We're like three weeks, three and a half weeks away from opening day. Like that's extremely close. And all these guys got to probably go at like 150% every day that they're out there working on whatever they're working on because they have to get ready because actual meaningful games are about to be played. So um, I'm not too concerned, but yeah, I haven't seen it reported pretty much anywhere else. I guess everyone's watching the Otani stuff. Hey, Doom Sal, I don't have a problem plugging you, man. Uh, you bring knowledge to the show. Doom Sal, he writes for Dodgers Daily. Check out his stuff. I mean, look, I, I, we, there's, it, knowledge is, is a gift, okay? And the most knowledgeable, knowledgeable you can be, I, I appreciate this. Ignorance is not bliss. I don't subscribe to that. So, uh, Doom Sal, uh, of course, I'll, I'd love to read your stuff. We're all um, family I, I, here. Yeah, <laughs> that's all love here, Doom Sal. Um, I, I do want to just take a little break in the action here. This was something that I wanted to mention at the beginning of the show, and I forgot to. Uh, Jorge Castillo is now going to be working for ESPN. He's going to be on the East Coast uh, covering the Yankees and the Mets. And I, I just want to give a special thanks to Jorge Castillo. Um, he was he was very good to the Bleed Lows podcast. That guy would come on the show whenever we asked him to come on the show. And I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him because the guy just always spit the truth and always told us, you know, what was really happening. It is a huge loss for the Los Angeles Times. As a subscriber of the Los Angeles Times, I'm a little upset about what's going on over there. Uh, it seems like they're losing a lot of talent, not just in the sports department, but in other divisions in the paper, but a big congratulations uh, for Jorge Castillo because Castillo, he's from the East coast. He's a Massachusetts guy. I'm sure he loves being back on the East coast closer to his family, even though his wife's Mexican. So I mean, I don't know how that's going to work out for, for him, but uh, again, a big congratulations to Jorge Castillo. Uh, he was, a well, ahead, one, now we have a, we need a, a Mets and a and a New York Yankees uh, connection guy to come talk about you know any of those theories that come up. And we got Jorge Castillo out there, so congrats to Jorge, like you said. And I mean, we'll we'll still talk to him. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna have them covered. Uh, I, Denny, I I know you're not a fan of Dylan, but he is a friend of the Carnesada. Dylan is another guy who's been very very good to us, and I feel like Dylan has been spot on with his Shohei stuff. Uh, so. I know. I get it. I respect your opinion. I know that Dylan is not for everybody, but I, I do. Uh, he, he's been good to us. So uh, I, I, I digress there. Vato Loco, cool show on Chicanos in Japan with Hide. Thank you very much, uh, Vato Loco. For those of you who aren't aware, we we had interviewed Hide Nukami uh, on a previous show, and uh, we were talking about the connection between the Japanese and the lowrider culture. So if you have not uh, listened to that episode, uh, check it out. It would be much appreciated. I, I think it's, it, it's, it's very interesting because I've seen the videos already that are, that, that are jokes about, I don't know if you guys seen the video of the Cholo who's at the nunchucks. And then they just said, uh, this is what happens when Mexicans hang out with Japanese people at Dodger stadium. By the end of the season, we're just going to be, complete experts in that area. Uh, I think it's great also that Otani made the trip to surprise, to go ahead and support Yamamoto in his, uh, his start. So there's a lot of love on this team. There's a lot of excitement. Uh, Alfonso Lucio, what's up with Grove? Looks like he's not making the opening day roster. Damn. You guys are like so tough, man. He had one, Bad outing. I, I I mean, I don't think that's going to make or break him. Uh, Carlos, what are your thoughts on Michael Grove? Uh, yeah, he didn't look too sharp. But, you know, like you said, it's one outing. Let's wait for the next one. Look, uh, touching back on, like, the rotation, it's like I 
right now, I strongly believe we have four solid guys. The fifth, the fifth spot is kind of open, and we can just kind of like do like a rotation of Grove, Stone, Knack, even Hurt. It, it doesn't even matter. I mean, they could just go so no one pitches over pitches too much. I think going back to Jorge's question, I think as much as the Dodgers invested this offseason, there is no way that if they only had four guys and Bueller somehow didn't come back, that the Dodgers would not try to trade for someone in the in in the in the before the tra- uh, trade deadline. They'll definitely go get someone with everything that was invested in the offseason. There's just I don't see the Dodgers doing that. So, you know, it's it's I'm just kind of foreseeing if if things got worse with Bueller or even even Kershaw. Let's say he can't come back. The Dodgers would definitely have to trade or they'll have to pick somebody up, you know. Who are the four? Who are the four that you're confident in, Carlos? Glass now, mm-hmm. Yamamoto, mm-hmm. Miller, and Paxton. I'm still on Paxton. Okay. I think Paxton. E- even though we haven't seen him pitch yet. You're, even though we still... haven't seen him pitch. Yeah. I mean, he had all winter to recover from his knee or what, you know, whatever happened in the second half. But his first half of last year, if you look at the highlights, he is a legit pitcher. For being your number four, uh, and that. Most he'd probably be like number two, number three on a lot of teams, but he's your four on, on, on the Dodgers. So that's my four. The five, I mean, give it to everybody else. Just let them all rotate so they don't burn out. I, I mean, I think you might be right. Uh, young Yi, Yarborough didn't look bad either. I mean, Canelo, I don't know what Yarborough did to you. I don't know why you're so down on him. All that guy does is come out and perform. I mean, he's, he, yeah, he's not lights out or anything like that, but. He keeps you in the game and he gives you innings. Yeah. I, I, what was I ever a Yarbrough or a hater? You know, I said maybe they would have DFA'd him or non tendered him or whatever during. Oh, no, you don't then. think that's disrespectful? But that, that they was DFA'd him. <laughs> I didn't expect him to spend a billion dollars this offseason at that time. So I said, hey, we got to be penny pinchers. He's due like four million. We got to cut him. So, but yeah, I like Yarbrough. I like Yarbrough more than Grove. I'm just going to say it that right there. Okay. I'm a Grove hater. I don't like Grove on the <laughs> roster. I don't like him as a starter. I think he looks better in the bullpen, and I think the s- statistics back that up. Um, some guys are just destined to pitch from the stretch in, in, in the bullpen. So, um, And I think he's probably one of those guys. Um, we mentioned it earlier, but Daniel Hudson, he looks like he's on the track to make the roster. You guys have to remember, he is not on the 40-man. He, If he makes the roster, they will have to make a move. So either somebody's getting traded or released or whatever. Um, and it's probably more than likely going to be a pitcher. So we saw them do it with like Mitch Wood a couple Kershaw, years ago. You have the Kershaw move to 60 day. So there's your spot. Well, oh, there you go. Yeah, Is he still on the 40 man? Kershaw hasn't been moved to the 60, 60 day. He hasn't? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. There's so much going on with the 40 man right now. That's <laughs> so confusing. Uh, what I love here is uh, Michael Negrete over here is a firm believer and supporter of the Danny Duffy Award. But I think we already I think we should make a wager right now in terms of who's going to win the most Danny Duffy Awards of the season, because I, I feel Dennis Gonzalez is on to something. Where's everyone with the barn slander? Come on, Sangrones. I think Austin Barnes is probably going to win the most Danny Duffy of the year award or. Young Yi just came up with another contender. You guys are talking about Michael Grove the way I expect you guys to talk about Vesia. Like, Vesia gives up a home run, and all I saw all over social media was like, oh, get this guy out of here. In terms of relievers, true relievers, he's the only left-hander the Dodgers have in there. So do you guys really think that they're going to give up on Vesia at, at least at the beginning of the season? I'm on the Justin Wilson train. Uh, I'm on the Matt Gage train. I've seen enough. I've seen the YouTube videos that everyone keeps quote tweeting of him getting high schoolers or like college athletes just getting contact off them. You know, I've seen it. And I think Vesia could could change. But, you know, after seeing him give up that home run, I said, I don't think nothing's changing. So I, I'm in all four. Like the best person has to make the the roster so and justin wilson looked good in his debut 
Uh, Matt Gage is a guy that has a couple options that can move up and down between, you know, the minors and the majors. And, you know, Ryan Yarbo could be their, their lefty specialist out of the bullpen too. So the Dodgers have options and we just got to move on a little bit because unless he shows improvement in Vestia, he's not that 2021 guy that they got. You know, we've seen him progressively get worse. So um, I just I hope he gets better because he could be a lights out guy in the bullpen, but they have options though. Uh, Michael Negrete, I do need to uh, offer apologies to you. Michael Negrete says, what do you guys think about the Keith Hernandez comeback, uh, coming back? Look, guys, I know I was the one sitting here telling you all this time in the offseason it wasn't going to happen. Stop bringing up Kike. The Dodgers aren't going to get him. I was telling Canelo this. What surprises me the most about Kike? Look, every I don't think you can deny that Kike was an upgrade over Margot uh, defensively. I'm just surprised that they got Kike for four million dollars. I thought for sure Kike was a guy that was going to get at least ten million. Uh, but I, I don't know. Maybe this is a guy we uh, that he just really wanted to come back to the Dodgers, and he was willing to go ahead and and sacrifice Dennis Gonzalez. The dream was accomplished. You're absolutely right. Look, I, I I'm willing to take the L on this. I, I just did not see how this was going to happen. I didn't see how they would fit Kike in here. Uh, and it was really primarily because of money after they gave the contract that they gave to Hayward. I was just like, and then the luxury tax 4 million was not what I expected. God knows. What are your thoughts on Kike coming back? So, I mean, he's a fan favorite, that's for sure. I mean, you go to Dodger Stadium, when they call his name, it's like he's probably got the loudest applause from the or cheers from the fans. You know, he's clutch in the playoffs. He was like the number two, I think, um, stat-wise, like a- average in the last postseason. So it's a good pickup. I-, I like Hernandez. You know, he's he brings that energy to the clubhouse. He's such a positive vibe. I think, you know, we always talk about how the Dodgers are family. I think this is also like where the Dodgers, you know, he's – He's not a bad player. And the Dodgers bring him in, say, hey, let's keep this guy in our family. He wants to come back. He'll take a pay cut or whatever. I mean, I thought $4 million, shit, I, that's still good money. You know, he's making, he's still making a pretty good chunk of change. It's not like, and he's gonna only going to play hmm, maybe three quarters of the games or, or something, you know. or So it, it's it's a good pickup. I think uh, the fans are happy. They got a bobblehead for him, you know, probably him shaking his hips or something. That'll be really cool. So <laughs> it's exciting. I like it. I, it's a good move. Uh, ya vamos a empezar con cosas. The minute I say that Austin Barnes was going to be up for the Danny Duffy Award, this is what I see back to back in the chat. The ghost of Al Davis, Mr. Raider, Philip Lopez. Trade Barnes before opening day and let someone else, uh, let someone get some hits instead of Case. Jose Ayala. Can Barnes be placed on an injured list with Kershaw? Denny Cortez, only person showing positivity for Barnes. Barnes got a hit today. Michael Carrillo, Barnes sucks so bad, he has no arms when he bats. Pablo, someone needs to convince Doc to let Kike catch before Barnes is in the lineup. I'm telling you guys, CB, Barnes just needs to bunt every at-bat. Uh, Denny Cortez, Barnes is a Snell killer. Never forget. Like, Denny's the only one coming to <laughs> Austin Barnes' defense here. Uh, so, I, Juan, before we went on, I told Cody, who caught Yamamoto today? It was yeah, Barnes, right? What, what, uh, if he become, Barnes. what if he becomes his personal catcher, right? Kershaw's not there, so he needs another guy. And Yamamoto. Well, there's no DH spots. They're going to have to accept Will Smith <laughs> and his below defensive metrics. So. I, I know that. We, oh, we got another. Su- Damn, Roy Estrada doing the best. Either Roy Estrada is doing the best million dollar man impression or he is paying tribute to Virgil tonight. Roy Estrada with another super chat, $9.99. Thoughts with Lux at shortstop. He has two left feet, no arm, no glove. Other, other than that, he, uh, he's our shortstop. Okay. Who wants to defend Gavin Lux at shortstop? All right, Canelo, I'm his you biggest go fan. All right, look, I've been on the Gavin Lux hype train, you know, since 2019. Um, I was extremely disappointed that he didn't. Everything that happened last year, you know, the ACL, MCL injury, gruesome thing to watch. Um, for him to come back, you know, within a year um, and then be fully taken at bats, playing on the field, running the bases, 
think that's a big step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, the defense, the defense is a downgrade to Miguel Rojas, who look, this guy was like runner up to the gold glove. This guy plays elite defense, but at the end of the day, Lux is going to have a better bat. And there's not many other shortstops that are out there that the Dodgers could realistically get. I know people are going to say, well, what about Willie Adamas? I'm pretty sure those guys, at least in my mind, are like dead equal. I could go either or. And Lux is our number nine hitter. Um, I think it's just going to be a learning curve with him. You know, he has it, baseball is so mental. And with an injury to your knee playing a, a very premier defensive position at shortstop, it's going to be a learning curve. So um, Dodgers just going to have to deal with it. He may lead the team in errors. I see, I, I have seen people uh, putting that out there on social media. And that is a real possibility. But then I remembered like Max Muncy's on the team. So I don't think he's going to lead the team in errors. So um, I think he'll, I think he'll, it'll be a slow start, but I still have full faith in Lux. All right. For you, for those of you in the chat, I'm going to put this out here because I, I know some people are nervous about Gavin Lux. Uh, the fact that Tim Anderson signed with the Marlins for $5 million would any of you in the chat, would you have guys, I, I know someone in the chat, I, and I apologize, I don't know who said this, but I know some of them uh, were not, weren't too high on Miguel Rojas, and of course it was because of the bat. I really think that's the reason why Miguel Rojas still has a, a job with the Dodgers, because I think he's an insurance policy in case uh, Gavin Lux doesn't work out. I think he's going to be a, de- a late-inning defensive replacement for Gavin Lux. But I, I, I hear you loud and clear, Michael Carrillo. You would stay away from Tim Anderson. But $5 million with the Dodgers coaching staff, nobody believes that the Dodgers could have fixed Tim Anderson, maybe. Yeah. Canelo, why, why has everyone turned on Tim Anderson? Has it been one more than one year, or was the drop-off that steep with Anderson? I mean, I agree with it, and I see why a lot of people are still, like, on board with it. You know, this guy won, like, what, a batting title, like, two years ago, you know? And he still has flashes of that great player, but I just don't think he's worth $5 million, And I wouldn't even bet on him. I wouldn't even say that's a bet on himself type deal. Like, you know, Gavin Lux, you know, he may have his, like, peaks and valleys, especially this season when he's coming back. You know, Doomsal mentioned this is his first time playing shortstop on a regular basis since AAA, like years ago. And he's only making like $1 million. And the Dodgers have him for a lot of team control. So that's the reason why they're rolling with Gavin Lux. That's why they've been very adamant that Gavin Lux is going to be their shortstop last year and this year. That's the reason why they didn't trade for Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas is a free agent. Why are they going to give up prospects for a guy who's elite defensively and is literally one of those three true outcome hitters where he either strikes out walks or blasts a home run. Um, they already have that, and they don't need that again at shortstop. So um, I c- you could see Tim Anderson kind of turn it around in Miami, but I personally was never on that you know that train there. So were you on that train, Carlos? Did you want Tim Anderson on the Dodgers at, at some point? So Tim Anderson, Michael Carrillo, <laughs> 100% correct. No way. That guy, never. Forget that he had a bad season. Forget that he won the batting title before that. He's just bad attitude. He's, 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 you know what? If the Dodgers got him, he'd, we end up with the same uh, situation the Angels have with Rendon. That guy has bad attitude and he, and he can't even punch. He got knocked out. He doesn't know how to fight that well. So, no good. You know what? Like Cody said, I'm a Lux fan too. Why? And I'm going to go at you, Juan. Why okay. is it somebody pitched bad and you're one outing and we're like, okay, that's only one outing, you guys. Lux, only one ground ball and we're already throwing it under the bus. Come on. Not Lux well, is the guy. Hey, I, I, I'm reading what the fans are. What the oh, our okay. I thought you were saying that. I love, okay. Everything gets attributed to me. Everything. Like, I, I, I want to sit here and just publicly, Chernobyl was my fault, everyone. Uh, you know, my it. bad. My bad. I'll, I'll take the blame there for sure. No, no, but go ahead, Carlos. No, but Lux, um, you know, his batting this season, he's, he's squaring up the ball. He's squaring up the ball. His, he has nice shots to center. One ground ball. Give him, you know, I, I saw that. It, maybe it, maybe he does have two left feet. But I saw that in the transfer. More that 
the way he tried to grab the ball, I don't know what he's trying to do. He kind of like tossed it, trying to be all cool. But you know what? One ground ball, I think he's going to be okay. And like you said, at the end of the game, when the game matters, if we're depending on, let's say Rojas comes in for a, defense, a defensive replacement, if we're depending on Rojas to hit the, a bomb when we have uh, Betts, Otani, Freeman, Hernandez, Smith, and Muncie, then there's something wrong with the team. So Rojas at the end, at eighth inning coming in for defensive replacement, hey, he's not the guy who's going to come up in the ninth inning. Okay, you got to hit that walk-off home run. Come on. Come on. Let's go. So uh, that's what I got, man. Yeah, ya vamos a empezar con cosas. The minute I mentioned Tim Anderson, this is what shows up in the chat. Denny Cortez, very reasonable comment. No, no, Anderson, you can't fix that attitude. Then here comes Roy Estrada. Mexicans love boxing, and Anderson can't take a punch. <laughs> Michael Negrete, Tim Anderson can't take a punch. Uh, the ghost of Al Davis, Mr. Raider, Philip Lopez. Tim Anderson, don't know how to duck versus a right hook, not worth $5 million. Uh, Jose Ayala, he can't hit and he can't field, uh, but most of all, he can't take a hit. Man, it is just... <laughs> the, Denny, how am I the... Well, I am the Prince of Darkness, but again, I wasn't the one that made the comment about Lux. I was just reading the... Oh, Chris Frosaker with a... a this is a, a goodie, an oldie, but a goodie. Jose Offerman was terrible defensively. No way Lux is that. Chris, is that what the parameter is going to be? As long as he's not Jose Offerman, we're going to go ahead and, and be okay with that. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, look, it, that's one of those things that you're still going to have. They've made the commitment to him. This this Gavin Lux thing is, is going to happen. There's, they're not going to reverse it. But again, late inning, seventh or eighth inning, you look, you're going to see Miguel Rojas playing shortstop for, for the Dodgers. And I think that's the way it needs to be planned. So, uh, <laughs> oh, you were backing me up. My, my bad, Denny. My, my bad. <laughs> I, I, I read that wrong. Uh, see, this is why I need to have like voice recognition here. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. We want to thank you guys for joining us on the lives and all the super chats. And again, if, if you go back, if you do miss a live and you go back and you see the video on YouTube, Please make sure you like it. Please make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and ring that bell. Get those notifications. Help us spread the word about the Bleed Lows podcast. Uh, and then if you do end up listening on the audio, uh, make sure you write us a review. You know, this is all going to help to to grow the podcast. And um, I don't know if I answered this question. Uh, I think it was Vato Loco who had said we don't have tickets for the Korea series. Uh, from everything, from all our sources, we are told that those tickets are going to be very, very hard to get. So, but I think we're still trying to figure out a way to get uh, to Korea. Uh, it's going to be exciting, and it's right around the corner because guess what? Friday is March 1st, guys. They're going to be in Korea before we know it, playing exhibition games, and then actually playing those two games against the show pods. So, Carlos, before we end the show, this was your first time on the live. What did you think? Uh, how, did you feel the energy coming from the Sangrones here on, on the chat? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Sangrones rock, man. This was fun. I enjoy it. I love talking baseball. I did want to mention one last thing. Go right so, ahead. Last you know, words. Something happened at Dodger Stadium this weekend. What, what was that? that? The Spartan race. The, Give they us had a Spartan race at Dodger Stadium. So I actually signed up with my son. Uh -huh. And... It was a lot harder than I thought. Like you, so you had to, I, the hardest one to just to cut it short, the hardest one you had to carry a 60 pound bag up in reserve. I think it was reserve. And you had to go down all, you had to go down the steps all the way down, go across, go back up, then go back down, then go back up. That was the toughest one. And uh, that one killed me. I had to take a break because it was just too heavy. But you know, my, my time was 144. It was the first time I did it. I was sore for the last four days. My calf still hurts. So it was, but it was fun. It was the crazy part is that, you know, I thought that I'd be a, appreciate Dodger stadium. It was where I was working so hard. I didn't even get to look at the field. You know, I was going, you, you had to go across the whole reserve up and down the stairs. You had to go loge up and down the stairs. You had to go down field, but you didn't get to appreciate it. Cause you're like busting your hump, just trying to finish this whole obstacle course race, you know? So, but it was a cool experience. Um, you know, if it ever comes back, 
you know, you guys out there, you guys should definitely do it. Sangrona's got to go out there. Maybe we can all wear like a bleed those shirts and, and do it all together as a team. We'll be like in last place, but you know, it'll be fun. All right. So first of all, was this, uh, was this a season ticket holder thing or was this open? To no, everybody? no, it was open to the public and that was open to everybody. Yeah. It all was, right. uh, it, you know, it wasn't sp- sponsored too much by the Dodgers, but it was, I think I saw it on Facebook or something. And as soon as I saw Dodger stadium, I said, I got to sign up. I got to do this. So it was cool. Look, one more super chat right under the bell. Dennis Gonzalez, smash the like button for the bad boys of sports podcasting. That's right. We are the bad boys, Dennis. Everybody loves to hate us. Uh, I, to answer your question, Carlos, if we ever did it as a team, like a bleed loss doing this, there's no way in hell that this fat boy is getting anywhere near this thing. I applauded when they put escalators to go from the reserve to the top deck. I was like, yes, sir. I mean, it is so sad and just embarrassing and disgusting that I go over there and I talk to people and I'm covered in sweat and I'm just like, hey, man, what's going on? And they're like, where did you come from? I just came from the reserve, man. It's like, are you okay? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, if you guys want to go ahead and have a mercy killing and just be like, get, he's already dead. Leave him alone. Um. Michael Negrete, Canelo, have fun with the softball league. Uh, Pablo, uh, you know, I don't, babyface, I don't think we did a good job of announcing this. So Pablo asked, when do we know if you guys win the podcast award? We, we didn't win the podcast award, guys. We, we lost. We, we didn't even place. I, I want to thank you guys for all your efforts. I know you guys went out there and, and put the word out and did your best to, to vote for us. But we lost, and uh, hey, it, it's okay, man. Uh, we we got invited to the party, and that was that was good enough for us. Um, so again, that's going to do it for us. Once again, guys, we can't appreciate enough you guys coming on this live and interacting with us. I mean, this is my I, I love when we get to listen to you guys because you guys are the most knowledgeable fans, and we appreciate that you join us and that you guys get the show and. All of that good stuff. And so hopefully, I just want to put this out there, guys. Canelo is in spring training, okay? So we we may get some video of him tracking pitches next time, but we, uh, we can only It could only be the hope. Otani level, but it, it, that, that, it's a right. thing. We, we can only hope. Uh, but yo ha sido su servidor, Juan Ramirez, de parte de mis colegas, Carlos, Canelo, and Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lose podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Nos vemos. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.